Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest has over 44 years experience as a paediatrician. He has developed a keen awareness of parenting skills, raising our children to be good citizens, how to improve our communities and advocating for children. He has written four books and they are My Children's Children, Raising Young Citizens in the Age of Columbine, All About Children, which is an illustrated children's book, Thinking Develop... Oh, here we go. This is where I get my teeth all in a confusion. Thinking Developmentally. Oh, crikey. Nurturing Wellness in Childhood to Promote Lifelong Health and Conscious Parenting Using the Parental Awareness Threshold. I can't wait to speak to this guy. Everyone, welcome Robert Saul. Hi, Robert. How are you? Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. And please call me Bob. Oh, okay. Cheers, Bob. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, Bob, um, tell us and my listeners a little bit about your history. I mean, 44 years as a pediatrician. I mean, that's a hell of a journey. I'll try to go through it as quickly as I can. uh, uh, And interrupt me when you need to. The... uh, I've been known to go on for hours about myself. No, um, the uh, 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 my first wife and I were foster parents uh, for di- children with disabilities. So, uh, and when I got into medical school, I'd always thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, but then I really wanted to be everything I was doing at the time. I wanted to be a radiologist, dermatologist, you name it. I wanted to be it at the time. But then when I finally finished, I went into pediatrics and did a three-year residency in pediatrics and then actually did a fellowship in medical genetics. So I was involved in both of those. Uh, So I went into private practice pediatrics and also did medical genetics. um, And was so I started that in 1979. About 14 years into this, I realized I wasn't really paying back to the community like I should. And I wasn't sure what to do. So I just started trying to open myself up to different opportunities. I heard a speaker say 12 words that have had a profound in, uh, impact on me ever since. He was talking He was talking to healthcare systems, but it's really to all of us. For anything that happens in your community, I am the problem. I am the solution. I am the resource. Wow. So what that, so what that means is it's not their problem. It's my problem. I need to own the problem, the drug problem, the teenage pregnancy problem, the homelessness problem. They need to be my problem. I need to be part of the solution. And to do that, I need to devote my resources to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that took, that took me a while. You know, what, how do I do that? I went to the community and said, put me in coach, you know, I'm ready to, ready to do this and do all the, do all this good work and be a good citizen. Um, And I was involved and maybe even smugly. So I was such a, such a good person. Uh, and But then April 20, 1999, in the United States, 
Two teenagers walk into a high school in Littleton, Colorado, massacre 13 people and kill themselves. We know that as Littleton, or excuse me, as Columbine. I asked myself, could that happen in my community? And the answer was yes. I asked myself what I'd done to make a difference. And the answer was not enough. Yeah. So, so I seriously thought about what, what's going on here? What can I do? What can I recommend to other people? Because I have a professional platform. Hopefully as a physician, people will listen to me as a, as a respected professional in the community. And, I, and so I put pencil to paper. I'm not sure, you know, back then we used to do that. Um, and I uh, wrote out. Well, I, I know. We don't do that so much now, do we? <laughs> so I wrote out what I considered to be the five steps to community improvement. Oh, okay. Um, and, and then subsequently wrote over 160 op-ed articles to the local newspaper about those wow. five steps. And then published my first book on those five steps. Um, so let me go through those five steps with you, if I if I may. Well, I was going to say I was about to ask you that. I was going to go. What are these five steps? Number one, learn to be the best parent you could be. And I chose those words carefully because parenting is a constant learning experience. You're always learning, like life. It's a constant learning experience. And the best parent and the the best parent you could be, not everyone has the same abilities. Not everyone has the same circumstances. Um, single parents, parents with socioeconomic issues, parents with uh, abuse in the family, parents with just, you name it, everything can, can happen. So my job as a trusted professional was to help these families, empower them, enable them to be the best parents they could be. Initially in my career, I, people would come to me and I say, well, you know, doc, what do I need to do here when Johnny or Sally does this? And so my inclination was always to tell them uh, because that's how I was taught. You know, this is, I well, was yeah. professional. People come to me for advice. I realized that it took me decades to realize that, that my job was to help them to, in many ways, gently peer behind the curtain, see what was going on and to help in a trusted relationship, see how I could help empower them to be better parents. And that was, when you say peer behind the curtain, you mean peer behind the curtain of themselves and what potentially may be going on with them or how they've been parented or like, and and help them to help their children. Is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, my perception of the situation might be totally off base. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, they might there might be some acute catastrophe in the family. There might be some wow. chronic issue in the family, and that could be health, mental health, uh, you know, uh, so many wow. things. So, and you know, in, in the doctor-patient relationship, especially from a pediatric standpoint, here in the United States, we have to sort of we have to figure this out and go quickly and go on to the next patient. Um, so you, th- that's why you can't oftentimes can't do it right away, but in an extended period of time that a pediatrician works with the family, hopefully they can trust the pediatrician to help them learn to be the best parent they could be. And also another side of that is all kids are different as well. Like my child is completely different from the neighbor's child to the people who live down the road's child. They're all kids are different. And also there's different 
uh, things that can affect children as well, like autism, ADHD. Um, oh, there's so many other disorders. There could be there could be um, an intolerance, a food intolerance, or something like that. That's actually so. It's it's. It, do you mean there's in helping? In your first step of helping the parents, does that mean also helping the children as such with things like that? Or is there another step? Have I like gone too no, you far know, forward? That's not an, uh, actually, that's the fourth book, but we'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let, I so knew let's you'd just covered build, it somewhere. <laughs> let's just build the foundation here first. Learn to be yeah. the best parent you could be. Number two, get involved. It's so critical that parents get involved. And it, that can be in so many different ways, whether that's with, with scouting, trash pickup, you know, working in a soup kitchen. There's just so many ways people can get involved. It's so important that parents provide that good citizenship model for their children yeah. and get yeah. themselves and the children involved. Number three is stay involved, which is, is tricky because sometimes it's oh, easy to get involved, but it's tough to sustain your involvement. Um, number four, in many ways, is the, probably the most intuitive, but difficult in our very divisive society, especially here, um, love for others. When we're just shouting, when we're just shouting past each other, and we're not listening, and we're not ready, willing to reconcile and hear differences of opinion, we're not doing anybody any good. The fifth step is probably the most difficult forgiveness. Um, and that is, that is a lifelong journey. As I've been working on these five steps, I realized that I have still have a ways to go in terms of understanding forgiveness. Because wow. what you learn about and practice forgiveness is very different when you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. You mature, but you still, there's issues that still need to be worked on. And, and as a quick model for that, I love the book called Tuesdays with Maury. Um, oh, okay. It was, it, it was about a, uh, uh, a sports reporter uh, realized his his life was sort of going astray in his early adulthood. Reconnected with a with a, a very prized college professor, and found out the college professor was dying of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS. Um, and so he said, well, why don't you come? The professor said, why don't you come and visit with me every Tuesday and I'll give you some life's lessons. And one of the major quick ones that I took away from the book was about forgiveness. Forgive yourself first, forgive others and do it now. Because so many times, especially as we talk about parenting here, you really have to forgive yourself uh, for, what you, for what you did before I you agree. can go on with others. Well, and if you don't, you hold so much guilt and it's almost like you get stuck instead of going, okay, well, that wasn't very productive. That wasn't the best way to bear it, my child or whatever. How do I do a different way? You can almost get stuck by going, oh, I'm such a bad parent and looking at get stuck on the negative. And I know, well, I know through a lot of personal reasons, but I know holding on to resentment or holding on to pain or and not forgiving can be very destructive on yourself mentally as well as physically. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, let's be honest, it will still well up inside. I mean, my, 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 my father was, a, my father was an alcoholic, uh, was, uh, 
uh, verbally abusive to my mother. They divorced. He did some things to me that, you know, I still remember probably much more vividly than I should. Um, And, and I've tried to forgive him, but there's still times when it's still, still difficult. So it's a Mm. journey. We need to accept that. Uh, And we need to practice not just personal forgiveness, but social or communal forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if you'd have done, Bob, if you'd have done all the things that you would have done, and I don't condone it, all the things you would have done if you hadn't have experienced some of the things that you did. And I'm, I wouldn't want anyone to experience any of that, but it does make me wonder sometimes if we make the choices in our lives because of the trauma and what we want to not happen to other people. I think that's part of it for me. I mean, I think the other part of it mm. is from the positive standpoint that I would consider my father's influence the negative part that would drive me. I think the positive came from my mother. I mean, my mother was just one of these people. And uh, and that gets me to one of the points about the book is what I really, the or about the five steps, what I really want to drive home the po- point is to me, parenting is raising your children to be good citizens. Um, and because my mother, when you know my parents divorced, I remember her saying, Bob, I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be happy. Fortunately for me, I didn't listen to her words. I followed her deeds uh, because she was one of those people that was just did right by everybody. Um, and so I'd like to think if I'm, if I'm doing right now, that I've, it's my mother's example. So happiness to me is a blissful secondary side effect of, ra- of parenting your children to be good citizens. Mm, yeah. And does it, your book actually goes through um, those five steps um, to community? Um, does it cover those off in a, in a bit greater detail? Yes. The first, the, the first book is entitled My Children's Children, Raising Young Citizens in the Age of Columbine. And each of, each of the chapters has, or each of the sections of the book covers those various steps. And each chapter has various action steps with a take-home message, what you can do to learn to be the best parents you could be, get involved, stay involved, love for others and forgiveness. So that book, I mean, that took me, that was from 1999 to 2013. So that was about a 14 year project for that book. But the, obviously for me, that book was setting the stage for what was yet to come. Um, subsequently to that, we published a a children's book that was beautifully illustrated. And I published another book that was co-written with, uh, it was more of a scientific book, but the most recent book is on what's called conscious parenting. And so that's what you were, you were getting to, uh, what, you know, how do you, how do you do this? What's, what are, what are the steps here? Yes, and this is what this is what you explore in conscious parenting, right. isn't it? Um, the, to me, conscious parenting is an enhanced awareness of where you are in the relationship with your child and where your child is developmentally. And to do that, I talk about a line, and that line is the parental awareness threshold. Um, and so a little bit of background to that, when I, cha- I changed jobs late in my career and I had to take a leadership course. 
And they said, you're going to have to take this leadership course. And I rolled my eyes and said, oh, do I really have to do this? Okay, I will. And yeah. well, so many things, I learned something. Uh, and the, the leadership course was called Conscious Leadership, but I'm simplifying it. But the, a conscious leader recognizes when they're above the line. The line is when you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn. Below the line is when you're closed, you're defensive, you're right. You're always right. And everyone yeah. else is wrong. Now, the point is we're going to be above and below uh, all day long. We're going to be, the whole point is being conscious of that. And if you find out, you know, I'm really below the line right now, how can I change my behavior? What can I do? Listening, interacting, whatever. I shift that line to the, what I call the parental awareness threshold. When you're above the parental awareness threshold, you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn, you're ready to listen intently and engage with your child. When you're below the parental awareness threshold, you're closed, you're defensive, you're always right, because I said so, because I'm the parent. I have a mug with that on. My son always laughs because I've got a mug that goes, because I said so. Um, <laughs> and, but yes. And, you know, and so at the point is just knowing where you are and trying to make a change. Now, you won't always do it in the moment. As a matter of fact, in the moment, you might say, that didn't go well, like you said. Uh, but hopefully what this, if you, people start looking at this paradigm, then it will be something they will do in retrospect. And again, the whole point for me of conscious parenting is raising our children to be good citizens. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so below the line is bad and above the line is good, just to well, make that well, clear. Well, yeah. Because are there any situations where you could be below the line and it's and you've closed and all? Are there any situations where it would be good there? Well, let me back up for just a second. I don't want to say good, bad, you know, because if, if. Okay. Oh, because okay. if you're, you know, that would imply that you, when you're below well, the line, labeling. you're a bad person. You're human. Okay, you're going to you're going to be there because of what sets you off at times. And you have to remember you have to remember you might respond to the same set of circumstances very differently on a Monday morning than you might on a Friday morning. So that's where you have to sort of take that step back. And what I talk about in terms of the line um, or the parental awareness threshold is for any circumstance that's happening, especially a behavioral situation. Pause, assess, and choose. And that is more than just parenting. That's almost everything we do in our, yeah. in our interpersonal relationships. But you need to pause, assess the situation, and choose. One of the examples in the book is, and this it's a, meant to be a very easily digestible uh, book, is um, mother picks up her child from school goes through the, the drive-through at a fast food restaurant because the child says, I'm thirsty. So she gets her gets the child a drink and hands it back to the child in the back seat and says, don't spill this. Well, two blocks away, mom, my drink spilled. Now, mom yells, pulls over, as I told you not to do that. Um, that if could be me paused, on a bad day, on a really bad day. <laughs> if she paused and assessed, it might have been that 
and I, this is a little bit of obviously, this is a purposeful example, is that the book bag shifted, knocked the drink over. And that was when you made that sharp turn a block ago. So in many ways, the parent set the child up for failure uh, because the book bag was loose and the drink. And so a pause, assess and choose is that maybe a different response would have been, you know, I'm, uh, we, let's work on this together and going forward. A personal example is one night, my, my oldest, my youngest son was about seven or eight. He's 32 now. Um, he <laughs> said, he said something, <laughs> he, he said something that, he said something that really set me off and I got angry and I yelled at him. He just melted. He just turned into a puddle. He was just so upset that I would do that. And mom got mad at me for yelling at him. So we went into that typical family meltdown mode where nobody talks and just walks past each other for a couple hours. Well, then it was bedtime and it was time to sit down. The dust had settled and I laid down with him. I said, son, I'm so sorry. I think you did something wrong, but dad was totally wrong in terms of how I responded. And I want to apologize and I want to say, I'm sorry. He said, dad, would you be quiet? I said, why? Well, he said, I hate it when you're nice. And so I, and I, and I don't say that to pat myself on the back, but it tells me that I was even back then, I was thinking about this conscious parenting model that even if I goofed up at the time, I could, I could in retrospect, look at it. And, you know, retrospect is hard. So sometimes it's hard to do your own uh, retro analysis. Sometimes you need a, a partner, a spouse, a good friend, a sister, uh, a confidant, a priest, uh, just somebody that you can say, you know, this is what went down the other day. It did not go well. Uh, my, my child and I are now at odds. What do you think I should have done and how can I do better going forward? Sometimes that give and take is very helpful. Exactly. And, and I, I try and I, encourage I that. A lot of that is, I, I have done a lot of that as a professional. Yeah. And I try and encourage that with, with my friends. I sort of go, look, I just, I need your honest opinion. And, you know, it's, it's about being a more mature person to go, yeah, no, okay. Thanks for that feedback. And, you know, I accept that feedback. I mean, it's funny you should say about the drink spilling incident because I've changed how I deal with those type of things because my son did do that. Um, and I'm talking probably six months ago where he, spill a whole a whole container of drink everywhere right he was having dinner um and he spilled it everywhere and i went oh my god i was busy and i i did what the mum in the car did um and i was like oh i went well not crazy but like i'd sort of shouted at him and went oh quick get a cloth blah 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 and then i sat down and i did the retrospect thing that you're talking about and i went oh that wasn't really good because number one it was an accident he didn't mean to spill the whole thing over the table um and i sat and said look i'm really sorry you didn't mean to do it it was an accident wasn't it and he was like yes because he went to reach for something and spilled it and so then um i was like well okay mummy didn't mean to shout, but like I shouldn't, and that was, you know, what I shouldn't have done. And so now when things happen that I think, oh, that was an accident, it stopped me from going, ah, and blowing up and exploding. And, um, and I sort of sit down and say, I sort of question him and say, okay, what could you have done better? If you'd have spilt the cup, you know, spilt the cup on the floor, where could you have put it? 
that would have been safe that would have meant that it wouldn't have got spilt and so trying to get him to think about how he could have done things differently um and trying not to just explode i i love <laughs> that because what you what you describe is discipline remember the root word for discipline is disciple so anything we're doing in terms of a behavioral issue should be a teaching experience because disciple means to teach um so we don't want to punish, we want to make it a teaching experience. Um, and so, because a lot of people equate punishment to discipline. Um, but it's not. I think punishment is a rare event. Discipline should be much more common. That's not to say I, I want permissive kids doing whatever the heck they want to in the world. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But it can be done in a loving, instructive way. Uh, rather than rather than using physical discipline. And what's he going to learn if I just shout at him, if I just shout at him and then I clear it all up for him? So if he spills water, juice, whatever, he clears it up. I go, right, how are you going to clear that up now, right? And he clears it up because he's made the mess. So it's not, you know, I, as mums, you want to get straight in there and clear it all up, but he clears it up. He thinks about, well, what does he need to clear it up? And then he thinks about, well, how could he have prevented it from happening? So that's, yeah, that's how I'm trying to do it at the moment. It doesn't work every time, but that's the human part of me. Like you say, you know, you were all human. We've all had no sleep or really busy or, you know, doing half a dozen things. But yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah, it's just how I'm doing it at the moment because I just feel as though I don't get go any other way. Well, you know, learn. a lot of a lot of parents say, you know, I told you, how do you not how do you not learn that? I told you so many times. This is the fifth time I've told you that. Well, we need to remember that the adult brain is really not mature until age twenty five. Yes. Um, so even yes. the fifth even the fifteen year old who quote should know better um, is still going to be make plenty of state mistakes. Unfortunately, some of those mistakes might be more consequential than f spilling uh, a glass of juice uh, in terms of uh, in terms of bad behaviors or bad choices. Yes, and I think it goes back to you and saying you want to raise good citizens. Um, I want to be able, look, at the end of the day, I had my son late in life, right? So I sort of want to be able to prepare him for when potentially I'm not going to be around. And let's hope... I live till I'm like 90, right? Which means he'll be 40 odd and then we'll all be good. And he should have hopefully have got through his teen years and his early 20s and who, but who knows, right? Who knows what he'd be like at 40. But um, I do sit there. I want him to be able to, if he has a problem, think about, well, how can he solve that? How can he, how can he do things differently? Because, you know, there's no such word. In, in our household, there's no such word as can't. There's just doing it a different way. You've just got to think about it. You can't, you can't run a hundred meters in 10 seconds, but how else could you, what else could you do? I don't know, put roller skates on with jetpack, and then you could actually roller skate within 10 seconds of a hundred meters. I don't know. Maybe that's something that you're not going to be skilled at, but think about something else. I don't know, but yeah, um, I'm trying to educate him that way. I know. I know. So, okay. So, I'm, I'm not sure if we've fully covered it, but what about if you're under the line? 
I know we've said about stepping back and stuff, but how do you get yourself out of, how do you get yourself above the line? Is there certain things that you can do to change that? I'm not going to label it as bad, but well, that- I think it might be different. It might be, it might be different for everybody. I mean, yeah. for some people it might be, uh, I mean, it, but it, if you start with the pause, assess and choose cycle, the pause, assess and choose might be that deep breathing, the mindfulness might be that stepping back from a, the situation for a second. Is that the pause sec- yeah. section? Yeah. Where you sort of go into a different room or something like that, where you go, okay, yeah, uh, I need to just change my state. Or, you know, or you might realize because the way you handle the situation on a fairly constant basis, maybe you do need some professional help yourself or talking to somebody or finding out how you can change your behaviors because you want to be that positive example for your child. And if you find out, yeah. if you find out you're always being that negative example for your child and the child's withdrawing, then it's, it's not just a simple thing as pausing and going into the other room. Uh, you, you might need some help. Uh, and, uh, so, and that can happen, you know, that can happen in single parent households. Uh, that can certainly, there, you know, dual parent households are not ideal either sometimes. I mean, so every, every. Well, I sometimes think there's more of a, more in the mix when there's dual parent. I mean, it's great because you can half the workload, but at least I'm the only person I have to worry about as such, obviously my son, but I control and deal with myself. Okay. But then when you've got, another adult in the mix as well and you're dealing them with their views their opinions you know um that's a whole different relationship oh <laughs> absolutely and, and children know how to play one parent against the other uh, so you know mm. go ask your mom go ask your dad and uh, all of those things mom wouldn't have done that dad wouldn't have done that um so they uh, they know how to do that but to get specifically to your point again i think it's it's that in the moment analysis and then that retrospective analysis. And if you find some things that did work, but not as completely as you'd like, start using those more. The things that don't work, start using those less, but seeking the advice of others. You know, the, a trusted professional, your, your pediatrician, your yeah. doctor, your, again, there's so many other people that can be helpful to you. One word of caution though, um, in my in my experience, and I, this is sort of with younger ch- young, with babies, mothers would come into the office with their with their mothers in tow or the grandmothers, and the grandmothers would look at me and said, "She's doing it all wrong," uh, you know. I I did oh, it no. that way, and everything was fine, and I don't know why they're doing it this way now. And so when a mom when grandma leaves the room, I look at mom and I say, "Mom, don't confront your mother." Don't just smile and say thank you, and then do what you want to do, what you need to do. Um, so, wow. uh, so sometimes you, you know, adv- advice isn't always great uh, in in terms of handling behavior issues. Another example is, you know, some some families will say, you know, all my child needs is a good whipping, uh, and. Uh, Wow. That, to me, that's a that's a no no. And and why is that? I would a, hope there's not many that say that. Well, you know, a, a lot of a lot of parents would say, you know, my dad gave me a good whooping when I was a kid, and it taught me a lesson, and I didn't do that again. 
the, the take-home message is if children that are physically abused, and I consider it abuse when they're, when they're youngsters, are much more likely to translate that into their adult behaviors. Not everyone that smokes gets lung cancer, but it sure increases your risk. Not everyone that gets physically hit as a child becomes a physical abuser, but we know it certainly increases your risk. And I don't want that to happen. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, can we make our children, I know we, your book's called Conscious Parenting. Maybe this is your next book. Can we make conscious children? Can oh, we, so. can we, because is there any way that we can um, help our children be conscious about their actions? And And I'm thinking sort of, well, while I'm thinking about the conscious parenting and the fact that we are conscious, we're needing to step back, pause, be conscious with our parenting. But then regarding your first book, which was Raising Young Citizens in the Age of Columbine, um, are we able and how do we do that? How do we make our kids conscious of the things that they do and the impacts that they have? And I'm sorry, well, I've just get, thrown I... that left a field. <laughs> Well, you gave you gave yourself you gave me some examples of what you're doing. You're you're making your yeah. child conscious of some of the errors that have occurred, and well, learning yeah. and learning how to think through the spilled juice. You might that's you might think that's simple. No, I think that that kind of conscious awareness of a situation translates very nicely to broader social situations. So long as you. And then in a partnership with your child, get involved, stay involved, show love for others, uh, and practice and practice forgiveness. You can't be driving down the road cursing everybody under your breath, uh, and then then get out of the car and smile and say hi, and 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 expect and your child's going to understand the the duplicity in what you're doing. It's almost like you've been sitting on my shoulder, Bob, for the last two weeks because I was I I I don't like I don't know I don't normally I sing in the car I sing and my son tells me to shut up, but um, he doesn't tell me to shut up he uses other words but um, it's quite literally shut up, mum. But the other day and I cannot think why. I was even in that place. But the other day I was in the car and I was going, oh, come on, hurry up. And he turned around to me and he went, mum, he said, you're sounding like my dad. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, maybe mummy's having like, maybe mummy needs to rethink where she's at because, like, he never he never really says that to me and I don't really, I, my, I've consciously made myself, I used to be like this, but I consciously has made myself not get stressed out driving because that person in front is in their life. They don't know they're stressing me out. Why should I actually stress my body out and my mental state even more with the person who's completely oblivious to who I am and where I am? And, in fact, they could be saving me from an accident down the road because they're deciding to drive 20 k's an hour under the speed limit or whatever. But do you know what I mean? Like you sort of – I have to sort of re-educate myself and, cha- and change my state, which I suppose is what you need to do as a parent um, as well, to go, you well, hang on a minute. You're pausing, you're assessing, yes. and choosing. Yes. 
Yeah, well, yes, because I used to be like, oh, my God, are you insane? Because, yeah, Australians do drive differently from people in the UK, I have to say. I'm sure well, I'm sure well, they're my, like, I'm sure in the States it would be different too. Well, my oldest son um, was driving with his mother one time and somebody cut her off and she said some expletive. Uh, and my son in the background said, well, maybe he's a blank. And it was... <laughs> <laughs> well they do they're like little sponges sitting in the back of the car watching what goes on i know it's insane yeah. it's insane so okay so i'm just trying to think how what is the goal of parenting what is the goal of parenting is it to i think you've already touched on it though but like is it to bring up intelligent well, intelligent Ugh, that's a bad word, but like, is it to bring up good citizens? And also I, another question that was in my head is how do we do that with our teenagers? Because our teenagers are like, our teenagers are hit and miss, I have to say, Bob, that they're, they're, they're hit and miss. The first part of your question is yes, it's to raise good citizens. Good citizens care for each other. Citizens care about each other. Citizens are empathetic. Uh, for the yes. needs of others, and they they work together for joint solutions. They recognize that not just I am the problem, I am the solution, I am the resource. They rec they change the they change the pronoun. We are the problem. We are the solution. We are the resource. Teenagers, that's difficult. I mean, that's it's an up and down. It's a it's a you know it's. Well, they are. It's two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back. I mean, it can, um, yeah. and it's so, again, it's the example. Uh, it's, you know, you, you never hate your children. You might hate their behavior, though I don't like the word hate, but just intensely dislike yes. would be, yeah, it would be better. Dislike. Um, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's too easy to fall into the trap of, of, uh, not being the good example uh, and uh, not providing that, uh, not being the good example and providing the basis for them going forward. Now, that's not to say that there's, you know, when they've done something wrong, if they, you find out they were drinking and driving, I mean, there are some significant consequences to that. I mean, that's not that they get shackled to the bed, uh, but that might be, you know, no phone, uh, uh, no TV, no computer, except for what they have to do for school studies for a, a, a period of time that really has to be determined by the family in terms of what's the most appropriate. Would you get them involved in, to so say they got caught drink driving or whatever, right? Would you then get them involved in something that was to do with victims of drink driving or it's to get them involved more in the community side of things I think that, and sort of get them. I think that would be a great idea. Um, I just think these kids are too, They these kids have it too good. Shame, that's so bad. I sound such an oldie. But these kids have it too good. And I actually sit there and I suppose it's my age because if I was younger, um, I probably wouldn't care, right? But the thing is I sit there and I go, I do think, getting them involved in homelessness 
um, feeding families that don't have as much as their own family and things like that may help. Is, have you found have you found any research or anything that sort of says getting kids involved in those sort of community projects as such? Um, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have up, any. Bring out good. Decisions. Yeah, I don't have any research per se that says ninety-two percent of the time when they do that, their things things turn out much better than the other. But to me, it's intuitive yeah. and just and just makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fine. My my kids probably going to hate me going forward. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's and, fair enough. And you know, you're gonna you can pick and choose. I mean, it might not be directly that. I mean, if it was the drunk driving, might not be the the mothers against drunk drivers thing or families it, it could be something else that's related so they still understand the need for community involvement um, and what they did was wrong uh, and there are consequences but i still love you unconditionally and we're going to work to get to make this different going forward yes no i agree i agree look so thank you for today. Thank you coming on board and talking to us about your books and stuff. Where do people where do people connect with you? The uh, my website, which is www.mychildrenschildren.com, uh, has the books, has a yeah. blog that I send out, uh, has uh, a contact page, um, and uh, has a lot of the uh, just a lot of information. Uh, that, no, that's uh, cool. Yes, that, it that does. I have, um, and I try to put. I try to post a blog now on the blog at least weekly uh, about oh, uh, wow. things that I'm writing, uh, and it can be on a variety of things. It's hard work keeping up on a blog, so hats off to you because it is like even on a weekly basis, it's very hard. <laughs> I I don't think I could do what you're doing. Well, it, it's a lot of it. I'm, my next writing project. It gives gives me fuel for some of this. Oh, okay. My next writing is project this a secret is about. Well, it's it's it's. I'm. It's going to be. I've got another somebody that signed on with me to do it, but it's. I I don't know what if this this is going to be the title or not. It's it's called what really matters. Um, oh, okay. And it's truth, trust, science, civility, diversity, and faith. Wow. Okay. Oh, I can't wait for this to come out. With your other books, are they on Amazon and places like that? Can people, yes, they are. as well as obviously your website? Okay, that's yeah. cool. So people can find them as well. I just yeah. wanted to make sure that people were aware of that. Yeah. Wow, this new project sounds good. Let's hope it doesn't take you fifteen years to put this one out. Though I hope not. It's, I'm, it, it's, How long's a book taking you now? Well, this this book is about two thirds written, but that's probably oh, another. Wow. You know, once you get down. It's probably another 12, 18 months in terms of fine tuning and that sort of stuff. I know people don't understand what goes into writing a book, do yeah. they? Not at all. No. Okay, cool. Look, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I usually ask if you could have a superpower, what would it be? But I've changed my question. So I am so sorry. So sorry, Bob. Um, I've changed it too, and I would be interesting to see what you would say. I would change it too. If you could recommend a book to my listeners, what would it be and why? And it can't be your own ones because we've already plugged them enough on this podcast. No, I need a few <laughs> more plugs. No. I mean, 
Um, well, a, a quick, simple one would be Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, and Maury oh, is... See, I want to get this book. Maury is spelled M-O-R-R-I-E. Um, yeah. Another book that I really recently like is called Cast, C-A-S-T-E. Oh, yeah. It's a, by, by Isabel Wilkerson. And she talks about the caste system in India, in Nazi Germany, in the United States. Uh, and I wow. think all cultures probably have some, uh, certainly uh, the native cultures in, in Australia probably are a victim of some caste system also. Uh, but it really yes. was an eye-opener for me. And it was in that book where I learned the term radical empathy, uh, that empathy is not just feeling sorry for somebody. Oh, I wish I, you know, if I put myself in your shoes, I see that's really hard. No, radical empathy is learning about what they're actually doing, is actively uh, dissecting so you understand what it means, not just saying saying it. So yes, I, I not love, just... I, I love yeah, the term radical empathy. Wow, so those, are, those okay. would be good. If you ask me no, in an hour, awesome. I'll tell you two different ones. So well, that's okay. That's all right. No, I'm loving this new question because I'm getting to learn so many more. I don't know how I'm going to read all these books, but um, I'm getting such a list, such a list. But I've spent a year asking people what would their superpower be, and I'm sure my listeners are sick of it now. So I thought, right, it's been a year of doing this podcast. I cannot believe it's been a year. So I thought, right, I changed the last question up. And I noticed that uh, I'd sent you through the last question that was superpowers. What would your superpower be, Bob, if you could have one? Just let's go for two last questions. Oh, gee. To, to spread the word of community, forgiveness, uh, and empathy as far and wide as I could. Wow. Wow. Well, I I can't. I can't complain about any of those. That sounds awesome. They sound awesome. I'm not sure what your Superman name or Superperson name would be, because um, that's a hell of a long <laughs> Superman name. But um, but yes, no, I, that sounds great. It sounds really amicable. Look, thank you so much for coming on board. Um, I've cancelled on you, you've cancelled on me, but I'm so glad that we could get together to do this podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today and my listeners. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com We are also on all the usual social media platforms Insta, Facey and Twitter I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon Be kind to yourself and remember no one is perfect we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best 
I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. <laughs>